Welcome to LOA Today. I'm Walt Thiessen. With me on the show today, Debbie G and Neo Positivity. This is your daily dose of happy. We are so happy you decided to join us today. And just speaking for myself, I'm happy that it's spring. I mean, I, this is like my favorite season of the year, I have to tell you. And it's all starting to warm up. Things are starting to green up. Uh, of course, we have the gardening business. That always reminds me of that. But I love this time of year. I, this is my favorite time. So welcome to my favorite time of year. And Neil, awesome. Neil's like, I mean, Neil, look at the smile on Neil's face. Like, he's like, oh, yeah. I'm okay. All right. <laughs> Florida yeah. is beautiful right now. All right. Like, what's up, California? Like, for real. I live two miles from the beach. And it's a hundred degrees outside Ooh. and it's April. It's never a hundred degrees at the beach. I have my room all closed up because I don't want it, don't want the hot air to come in. As a matter of fact, I was at the market a little while ago and then the door opened and I looked over at the cashier and I said, did you feel that? That's like hot face. air, hot air coming. I'm like, what the heck? Somebody messed up the memo. Yo. Well, well they got to turn on the thermostat is what it is. Jeez, Louise, are you serious? We do not exp- – it's so hilarious. We're such babies here that you would think. <laughs> well, and, whole... and, and Debbie's saying all that hot air thing, and I think – I thought preemptively she's telling me to shut up. Well, <laughs> I was getting there. We don't want, we don't want all that hot air. Finished. You know, there's a lot of hot air coming out of there. Trying, I was corner. trying. I was trying. I'm telling you. I, I think we've I've, broken a record here. We actually had somebody who had to kind of uh, self-efface before he'd even been introduced. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> so, so why don't we go through the introductions? Because I mean, we really should bring in the fact we have a, a guest joining us today. His name is E.A. Sokovitz, and he has a really interesting background. He was a millionaire at age 23. He is a licensed pilot. He has been successful in just about, I mean, he's got the gold touch, let's put it that way. He's got the Maya's touch. Everything he has touched in life has turned into wonderful. At least that's what it looks like on the surface. What I have a suspicion of is we're going to find out that what's behind the surface doesn't quite look exactly like what we see on the surface. But EA, first of all, welcome. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you so much. And uh, you have hit the, uh, you've split the arrow with the arrow as Robin Hood would, <laughs> because, uh, you know, there, uh, as I love to say, no, no matter what I hear, I always say, remember, there's always more to the story. Mm, <laughs> no matter true. what, there is always more to the story. <laughs> it, it's a theme that has come up often in various interviews I've conducted here on the podcast. And, and actually, I don't know if you know this, all three of us here be- besides you are all podcast hosts. Debbie has her own podcast. Neil has his own podcast. They're very kind enough to join me on my podcast. So you got like podcast heaven going on here. But all of us have had the experience of, of interviewing people who have experienced tremendous success in our in their lives. And every single time, they had to fail, 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 fail to get there first. Now, I'm going to just like throw caution to the wind and say, I'm willing to bet you had to fail first. Uh, <laughs> I, I would say that uh, you, you didn't throw anything to the wind. Uh, they, uh, you know, I mean, it's a... Uh, it is factual. It's just the way it happened, right? Uh, and uh, I can certainly share some interesting stories about not only what I was taught from my mentor, et cetera, but, uh, and, and, and I appreciate that because, you know, I, in years past, I was very blessed to have a radio show. And in two years, I interviewed 1,000 millionaires over wow. a two year time period. Rock and, and, that, and, and uh, looking for the common denominators, you know, I mean, why, why, you know, if Rad. you still, t- if you take someone's, if you take the average American's income, through their whole life, even today, add it all together. It's still not quite a million dollars. 
And I wanted to find out why, you know, why these people, what did they do that was so different that, you know, they're all millionaires and, and, and what were those commonalities? What were those common threads? And, uh, you were so, doing uh, your own Napoleon Hill is what you were doing. I, I, I have to say I really was. That's where yeah. I got the idea from. And also, okay. by the way, I have to say, cause he talks about thousand, lot, thousand acre wildlife sanctuary and I had to go buy one cause he had one. <laughs> uh, because, you know, just because I thought, well, if Napoleon Hill can do it, you know, and I'm, you know, why can't I, you know, so it was uh, pretty much it. But, uh, and I can tell you that's a lot of property. That's a lot of property. <laughs> and you don't know if you start walking and you go, gee, what in the world am I doing all this? You know, and, uh, you know, and, <laughs> so many stories with that, but anyway, put a, yeah. put a runway there. Yeah, for sure. Start with a runway. Work your way with a runway. Exactly right. I, 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 okay. I, I, I love. Uh, yeah, I know. It's awesome. Like I'm ready to fly. You can pick me up. Let me know where to be. So, what I'm curious about um, that strikes me as I'm sitting here is your beautiful humor. And at what point did you realize how beautiful it was and to start using it? Thank you for asking that. When I started laughing at my own jokes, that was when I really, get, you know, that was the perfect pinnacle right there. Because I realized that even if I was the only person laughing, it was still okay. So, you know, and then I realized it was okay for people to laugh at me or with me. I was good with either one. You know, what's the difference? You know, there's put a smile on their face and and, and why not? And uh, and, and actually, interestingly enough, I could even show you on my phone, which would be hard to see. But um, on my phone, you know, there's like, you know, Google Calendar. Uh-huh. You know what the one thing on my Google Calendar every single morning is? Today, make someone laugh. Oh, nice. I, I love like that. that. We, we're going to type that in the chat. And I just, and it's just, and it's, and it's my first thing that's on my calendar every single day. And I have to turn it from green color to red color to make sure I reminded myself that I did it. <laughs> and that, uh, today I'm going to make someone laugh. Even if it's at my expense, I'm totally okay with that because it's really not at my expense anyway. It doesn't matter to me what they think. <laughs> well, plus, no, it's, it's never, yeah, no, I just, you know, I appreciate humor. I appreciate humor because it's such a high vibing thing to do. We can't, you can't be, you can't be an angry, angry little ninny if you are laughing. You can't be in, 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 in a horrible space if you are laughing. And I think I just had to appreciate it because I, I, to bring it forward is awesome. Now, I'm really curious about what you found the common denominator for these millionaires is. Um, may I go backwards in order to go forward? <laughs> oh, sure please do. Let's go. <laughs> I, okay. I'm, 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 I'm buckling in. And, and it's actually a little bit to what Walt had said earlier, you know, that when he was, uh, quote unquote, caution to the wind. Um, my, my background, you know, I live in Michigan now, <laughs> Southeast Michigan and, uh, uh, born and raised in the Chicagoland area. And my father was a milkman. So, you know, back then, you know, I've just had my, you know, recently my 44th anniversary of my 21st birthday. And, uh, the, <laughs> I used to and, do the uh, same thing. I, <laughs> 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 so, you know, and back then, my, my father, he worked for a company called Twin Oaks Dairy. He had his own, you know, milk truck, uh, one man operation. And we get up at three in the morning and, uh, milk came in glass jugs. You know, they probably went to plastic because of how many I broke helping my father on his route. But, uh, but, and he would get up, I'd watch him at three in the morning and he had, because those small trucks like my father had weren't refrigerated. Only the 18 wheelers were back then. So in order to make the milk keep it cool, 
on 100-degree days like you guys are having right there. He, we would get up at 3 in the morning and go to the dairy where there was six-foot-tall blocks of ice. And he would chop them up with an ice pick and chop it all and then put it on top of the milk. And that's how he kept it cool. And I remember so fondly working with him at the ripe old age of five years old. And he always said one thing to me every day. It was just, it was the only thing he said to me all the time, you know, whenever we were working. And it was a simple phrase, but he was making a point. And he always said, well, when we're done, we're done. And the point he was making was, you know, when we get done doing what we need to with the milk route, I can do all the other things that a five-year-old kid wants to do, you know, subsequently. So our, my upbringing was one notch under middle class, you know, milk, milkman. Uh, you know, there was always a, this box outside everyone's house. That was the milkman's box. Yeah. You know what was amazing? Not one, there was always money in the milkman box. No one, not one time ever touched it. Yeah. Different, that, well, that was different the times. Era. Different, different times. Different times. Right wow. wow. Time. Do, do not one have... time. No mm -hmm. one touched it. Not one time. And uh, so then it even, uh, it even had a phrase that was the, that was the original phrase milk money. I mean, people often associate it with school now, but that's where originally it was the milkman. Yeah, right. it was for the milkman. Milk exactly. Man. I yeah. mean, you know, there's some other funny things about milkman, too. That's true. Yeah. yeah, I know. Do you have brothers and sisters, milkman brothers? Uh, and none of them look like me. Oh, they what? don't. I'm just curious. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Just curious. Yeah, there's no reason. Just to had be, to you know. know. I yeah, had I to know. Yeah. You know, when I when I say that can't be my brother, I really mean it. You know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. <laughs> no, just saying. Don't mean to deprecate parents. Okay. So yeah, the, let's uh, not do uh, that. Yeah, let's not do that. That's so fine. at 16 years old, I took the first big step in becoming successful, and I became a janitor. Now I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Oh, uh, okay. So <laughs> there you go. And they're still sitting in their chairs. I didn't even knock them out. Anyway, so the, so, but there was two extraordinary things that happened when I was a janitor. The first was at 16, I could be bonded, which means insured. And uh, so if my buffer, when I was cleaning the place, hit a piece of equipment, insurance company would pay for it, right? That also allowed me to be in expensive places, also allowed me to be in expensive homes. And there was a home I cleaned every Wednesday. And when I say her name, it won't mean anything to the listeners until I make the movie reference. Uh, and there was a movie out a few years back. And um, it was actually, it's a pretty good view. It's called The Founder. Uh, Michael Keaton plays Ray Kroc and it's about McDonald's, right? Now, first of all, I want to say, in the beginning of the movie, it says, this is based on a true story. That's true. It is based on a true story, but it is not the true story. Right. Uh -huh. And I can tell you why I know that's the case in a matter of moments here. So if, if you haven't, have any of you seen it by any chance? I'm thinking maybe Neil did. Neil caught it. Okay. Now, yeah, if, the during the movie, first of all, Ray Kroc was not the way. That's all Hollywood spin. He was not that way. And there's so many things portrayed inaccurately there because, you know, it's drama. Hollywood spin, Hollywood drama, make him, you know, make Ray the bad corporate guy. Right. But he, he really wasn't that way in any way, shape or form. In any event. In the movie, Michael Keaton, Ray Kroc, is constantly talking to a lady outside his office. He says, June this, June this, June this. That lady's name is June Martino. That lady is the lady who house I cleaned every single Wednesday. Wow. And, she, and I lived in Oak Brook, which is where the world headquarters for McDonald's was for decades and decades. It's since moved. But, you know, so I witnessed the whole McDonald's phenomenon in my lifetime. In the movie, you remember Michael Keaton calls McDonald's number one. There's sort of a thing about the splains, you know. That McDonald's, we drove by probably 200 times because it was the end of the milk route every day. And uh, I remember when it said over one million burgers sold. I went, yeah, 
a million burgers. That's more than I can eat at one sitting. <laughs> That's like, you know, and, 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 you know, I was just, I was astonished by that, right? So June, here's the thing that was so amazing. First of all, I don't know where I got this from, but I was so wrong that I thought in order to be successful and rich, you had to be a jerk. You had to be me only, self only, me oriented, stomp on everyone, take whatever that you can. Me. That doesn't you know? surprise me and, at all, actually. It, I mean, I think it's a common, a common fallacy. It, I think a lot of people believe that. I, I had it, you know, and I don't, I couldn't even tell you where it came from other than the fact that I had it, right? So now I, and June was so the opposite. It wasn't even funny. So approachable. So always nice. If I was buffing the floor and she walked through the room, if I was looking down buffing the floor, she would still say hi. I mean, just so the op to me, to the point it was astonishing and subsequently a curiosity, but not in a stalking way. All right. So, so here, so <laughs> I, I, so, but I was astonished. How can someone be this happy? And be so successful. I couldn't. When I met her, she was already an icon. You know, mm -hmm. she had the third most controlling stock already in in, in McDonald's. So I couldn't count on my fingers and toes how many zeros <laughs> she was worth. So one day, I got up the nerve because she knew who I was. I was in every way. They always said hi, very cordial, very approachable, very. So I went up to her one day, got up all my nerve I could. And I'm shaking in my janitorial boots. <laughs> And I went up to her and I said, uh, hi, June. She said, hi. Just, I mean, just so, I, I still, even today, I'm so astonished by how nice and approachable she was. And I said, uh, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. And she knew who I was and stuff. And I was there every week and that kind of thing. And uh, I said, can I ask you about it? And she said, well, what's that? And I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. I'm not kidding. That woman, not that exact woman, because that's an actress, but the June Martino, the real one, put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen, told me the entire story from beginning to end. In incidentally, where the movie started, which is when she was working for Ray when he was with Prince Castle selling milkshake mixer machines, even before he met the McDonald's brothers. That's where she started to start because she was working for him already, right? All the way through, literally up to where in that same minute in the kitchen, she even had the maiden butlers bringing us, she had an A maid and a butler, bringing us food in the kitchen so she could keep telling the story. <laughs> and at one point in the story, which is very germane, and it was life-changing for me, it's actually nodded to in the movie. There's a time in the movie where June Martino goes to Ray and says, Ray, we got a little problem. And she says, we're out of money. He said, wait, how can we be out of money? And that perpetuates him calling the brothers. They have an argument on the phone. He needs more percentage, right? Well, that event happened just not that way. And she told me about that event decades before the movie came out. And she said, Ray and I reached an agreement that he, I would work for no money. And he would pay me in worthless stock, worth less than zero underwater company stock and he would take the phone calls from bill collectors if anyone called and wanted money from me so i just asked her a simple question i said june i'm a janitor i work friday to friday paycheck to paycheck if i don't get my paycheck on friday i'm not showing on saturday i need that paycheck on friday why did you do it walt neo and debbie she sat back stared at me with this blank look on her face and I could tell she just left, but she stared me down. I, and I realized I had just inadvertently, it's not no 16 year old, had just inadvertently asked her a question. No one asked her. Everyone wanted to know what happened with McDonald's. No one wanted to know why. And I, and so I asked her, you know, why'd you do it, June? Why'd you work for nothing? And she sat back and she's staring at me and I'm going, do, 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 
do, do, do, you know, now he goes, you know, I'm this kid, you know, and I'm, I'm still amazed. She's even talking just to me. I'm thinking there must be someone else in the room. She's not doing, she's not just talking <laughs> to me, you know? And, uh, so when she answered, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck. I remembered the way she said it, what she said, and my instantaneous thought right after. When I asked her, June, why'd you work for nothing? She said to me, because I believed in Ray. Hmm. And the way she said it made the hair stand up on the back of my head because of what was behind it. And she, I, she, that was the first time she'd ever said that to anyone, right? And my first thought instantly was, that's it. I need to find me a Ray Kroc. Mm-hmm. I need to find a Ray Kroc that can put me under their wing and teach me what he taught her. Because obviously it didn't too bad for her. You know, it didn't work out the good. You know, she's got a Rolls Royce in the garage. Then, you know, I mean, I mean, that million dollar mansion back then, let mm-hmm. alone what it would be worth now. And I thought, that's, I, I don't even know what I don't know. All I know is one thing. I don't know it. I don't know what it is. You know, and I didn't know what mentor was. I you know, spent my hooked on phonics money on something else. You know, it wasn't even on letters. And so I didn't know what a mentor was or how to spell it. All I knew is I needed a Ray Kroc, right? This is to the name of your podcast, what I'm about ready to say. So I just threw it out there. I said, where would I find my Ray Kroc? Where would my Ray Kroc be? Where do I meet him at? And it wasn't two, three months later, we got a phone call at the same janitorial service I was still working at. And this guy was in from Detroit opening a diamond store. My boss sent me over to show him some carpeting. The guy offered me a job. And he became the father I never had, even though I had a father. And I became the son he never had, even though he had a son. (laughs) And I was very blessed that he was my mentor. And he was a puritanical genius. Uh an amazing man. I, not when I say mentor, and, and, and it's one of the reasons I became an advocate for mentoring for people. In my world, if you don't have a mentor, we call that naive. That's what we call it. We call it naive. You know, it, there's a reason the coach stands on the sideline and doesn't stand next to the quarterback because he would see the same thing quarterback is. On the sideline, he gets to see both teams. He can see all these things happening and whisper in his ear. See that guy in the right, he's about ready to eviscerate you. You know, I mean, he could give him the, <laughs> tell him that what's happening, right? It's a different vantage point that's so critical. So I became a huge advocate for mentoring at that as a direct result of this experience. And Sam, my, Sam Robbins, my mentor, he was a puritanical genius. And I say when people, when you get a mentor, one of the most. I, I, got, I got to interrupt for a second here. Please do, please do. You, you've used that term a couple of times. I want to know what you mean by it. Puritanical genius. What does that mean to you? Um, exactly what I was going to say next. Anyway, so they, uh, <laughs> they, and, and, and they, and basically it means someone who's done it, right? Uh, and, and I've met so many, literally thousands of educated idiots in my life, right? And, and these are the people, they have all the book knowledge and they can spew it all back at you. Zero execution and zero implementation skills. Simply put, they've never done it, right? And when you have done it, you've brought with all the things you mentioned earlier, Walt, and that is when you've done it, you've brought with all the things that didn't work, all the mistakes that you made. That's where the wisdom is. It's not what's in a book. And so I I share with people, when you're looking for a mentor and you're getting a mentor, ask one question. And don't be afraid to ask it. Can I ask what you've done? Right. Yeah. And if they can't give you a good answer to that, then keep seeking. You need a mentor that's done it. 
not an educated idiot. Because an educated idiot, you're just paying for their education to further their education because they haven't done it yet, right? Well, it's the same thing with running a podcast. When you run a podcast, you're looking for guests. You're looking for people to come onto the show who have done something that you need to to learn from. That's how you put a podcast together. Exactly right. Exactly. You know what? I I vetted my husband, and I'm gonna. And I I mean, I vetted every. You we vet those. (laughs) I'm gonna use that term because that really is what it is. But wouldn't you say that that you're also looking for your match in there? That all of those things, have they done it? What are the other pieces that they need to have in place? What are your other must-haves in that relationship that you are building with that mentor? Besides, have they done it? Because it's a very intimate relationship. Mentoring yeah, is yeah. very intimate. It's not just, you know, the, uh, and, and, you know, during the COVID craziness, we, you know, all of a sudden there was this big flood of coaches. Everyone's going to be a coach, right? And they take a course. Now I'm a coach, right? And, uh, uh, you know, and, and, yeah. and, you know, and, and it just doesn't fly. You know, that mentoring is something totally different, much more personal. And, and, and Sam was a puritanical one to get back to your Walt's question puritanically meaning he did it right he really was one right you know i mean he 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 had the background the experience in fact i'd like to share you a, with you a story about him to show that point and also it's a story about uh a, 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 you know and i should warn your listeners i never say anything in 10 minutes if i can say it in 20 so anyway, the, uh, so the, I'm right there. I'm right there. So, so, uh, you know, feel free to jump in anytime. It'd probably be welcome. You know, then I can take a breath. So the, uh, so, <laughs> well, I, actually, I, I was literally thinking about this earlier today. I got to tell you this. I got to interrupt because oh, yeah. we, we had a guest on yesterday who was kind of, he, he was really overboard with this kind of thing. And, yeah, and yeah. I was thinking like, how do I want to handle that in the future? And I finally realized what it was. I fi- finally figured out how I was going to do this. I said to myself, the next time I encounter somebody who's going on and on, I'm going to say, would you like me to lend you some punctuation? Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Uh, just, just, just to divide I, the sentences up, you know? <laughs> cowbells. We're just going to bring yeah. the cowbell. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I actually have thought about getting a cowbell just for the simple purpose of giving a, getting a cowbell and doing, you know? Yeah. Just, and you know what I want to say yeah. about that? I've got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. More anyway, cowbell. No, yeah. Best, best, best uh, SNL skit uh, ever. Best SNL skit ever. Ever. It was Will so Farrell is hysterical. Jeez, he's so she good at that. So hey, funny. God, now hysterical. I'm going to have to like watch it again. Just I know. I, so I probably good. would too. I yeah, probably would right? too. You just sit there oh and Oh my God. What's your favorite? Do you yeah. like, do, do, do you like, do you remember Deuce Bigelow? Uh, do, you, do you mean the first one or the second the, one? The first one. Second oh, okay. <laughs> so the answer to the question is yes, obviously. <laughs> obviously, yes, yes. Uh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, funny guy, Rob Snyder. And, God, that was uh, so yeah, He is a funny guy. So to the story of my mentor. Yes. He was telling me about, right after I'd met him, what it was like to grow up during the Great Depression. Mm. And he said, you know, People were jumping off of buildings, committing suicide because they had lost their fortunes. He said there was multi-mile long, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines just to get a bowl of soup. He said it was was desperate times. And he was walking around and he went by the store and he saw there was just one guy way in the back. So just to burn the clock, he stopped in. And it turns out the guy was the owner of the store. It was a sewing machine store. It was filled with sewing machines. And the guy said, yeah, I said, uh, no one's buying sewing machines. They need food. You know, he said, so no one's buying sewing machines. I paid for these and they're all just collecting dust now. And he said, I had to let my employees go. I couldn't afford them. My employees. He said, I basically just come in to, 
you know, keep an eye on the sewing machines every day. That's it, right? My mentor had this flash in his mind and he said, how about if I help you sell some of these? The guy said, well, what do you have in mind? He said, well, people can't afford to buy a sewing machine. He said, how about if we sell it on payments? And he said, and I'll guarantee a sewing machine. I'll set it up. He said, so if someone walks with a sewing machine, I'll cover it. I'll guarantee so you're, you're not on any money. The guy said, man, go for it. I mean, whatever. Just They're all just collecting dust and paying for it. If one moves, that's more than what's moving. So the next thing he did was extraordinary. He put together a flyer that said, women to work from home. He told me he never fully caught up with all the responses. And what he did was simply put together a way for women to work from home, sold them the sewing machine in their home on payments, gave them the patterns to sew with, gave them the material to make the garments with, then also guaranteed he would buy the clothing from them, which guaranteed their income meaning now they could make the payments on the sewing machine and have an income left over, which everyone desperately needed. What an angel. Are it you wasn't serious? Done. He still wasn't done. Then when he bought this clothing from the women, he then sold it to stores as high quality, deep discounted clothing that stores could then sell to their customers, all of within depression air wanted high quality clothing at the deepest possible discounts they could buy it at. In 18 months, people are jumping out of buildings because they lost their fortune, jumping off of buildings, multi-mile long soup kitchen lines. In 18 months, he earned $1 million. Now, that was in depression money, by the way. And it's over, got to be over, got to be over 20 million now. Oh oh, yeah, easily. And and he said he never caught up. He said, and, and what he told me was two things that were important. He said, number one, I looked at everyone's problem down the line and he said, I did everything I could to solve their problem. I solved the problem for the sewing machine guy that owned the company, right? I solved women needed income. Families needed income, right? I solved the store for the store, for the customers. He, he literally went down the line step by step, looked at their problem, not his own situation. And he said, I solved their problems. He said, so let me share with you something very important. He said, through your life, you are going to get tackled a thousand times. Get ready for it. If someone tells you they've made it and they haven't been tackled, distance yourself because they're next and they've been saving up. It's going to be a whopper. <laughs> he said, oh. he said, it's, he said, so make sure he said, that's a part of it. It goes with it. Right. He said, so here's the thing. When you get tackled, there'll be times in your life when you think you have money problems. He said, you don't. He said, in fact, you'll never have a money problem. And I like looked at him like, what? He said, you never will. He said, you'll have idea problems, but you'll never have money problems. Ooh. He said, wow, because every, that. he said, every great solution, every great enterprise, every business always started with one idea in one person's mind. Mm-hmm. He said, so. When you have those times in your life, and you will have many bad investments, this fortunes will come and go. He says it happens. Get your head around it. Don't think it's going to be all perfect because it's not. He said, you be real about it. He said, but reframe it in your mind as the events happen so that you know it's an idea issue, not a money issue. And he said, and with those, so, and, and that was the truth of his story. He did all of that and earned that million dollars and never put in a penny of his own money. 
It was all solving everyone else's issues, right? That were already there. So I share that with your listeners as what I would call a golden nugget taught to me by my mentor. And by the way, all the things we teach at Givers University, I didn't make up any of it. I was just a conduit because my mentor told me, you can do it. What? Anyway. Well, you, well, you, you were doing something. You were doing something before the internet came along. When the internet there was came no along, internet. and social media, when social media came along, the whole thing was about sharing, right? Somebody yeah. posts something else, somebody else shares it. You were sharing long before sharing was a thing. Well, I appreciate that. I can share with you. Is in know why you just made me in my mind. I had this picture. Um, I remember. Listeners are gonna listen. Are gonna laugh. I remember one time in my office, and we had these truncated uh, eight fax machines. So when one was busy, one was another, and people would turn, <laughs> send in orders, right? And these machines were firing up, and the people were sending in these orders, and the fax machines were just going like crazy because they, when one was busy, it went to the next, the next, and they were all running at the same time, and orders were coming in. And I remember thinking to myself, how did I ever get by without a fax machine? <laughs> <laughs> And now it's like, you know, the age of dinosaurs, you know, right, yeah, and, uh, it's, you know, so, so much has changed. So at 19 years old, I asked this man, Sam Robbins, my mentor, I said, Sam, will you teach it all to me? Don't hold back. Teach me everything. And he said, okay, I will, but I want one thing from you. When the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to share with as many people as you possibly can everything I taught you. So at 19 years old, I made a vow. I made an oath to my mentor that today has manifest as Givers University. And that's how it came about. That's very cool. Givers University, that's the coolest thing ever. It's a great name. I love it. There's also something in your story that I want to touch on. And I'm not touching on it in order. It may sound like I'm disparaging. I'm really not. I'm, I'm simply leading up to a point. Which is that you made reference to people jumping off of buildings um, at the beginning of the Great Depression and the Great Depression. And it actually is a myth. People believe that on the day of the, the big stock market crash, 1929, that exactly that's what happened. Stockbrokers were, were, were jumping off of buildings. They were killing, killing themselves. Actually, nobody died that day. Not from jumping off of buildings. There were no deaths from that. But look at the myth that came out of that. And what that myth did was to basically paralyzed with fear an entire generation and that paralysis of fear has carried on year after year after year so it's gotten to the point now where anybody who ever thinks about an economic decline they automatically assume people died and it wasn't even true now i'm not i again i'm not saying that to disparage restructure your story is wonderful the whole idea of, of just you know having this tremendous breakthrough and, and, and achieving all the success during the Great Depression is a wonderful story. It's fabulous. And and I think really the great reminder is, I mean, they were, you were right. The bread lines were all over the place. About 20% of the population was destitute. But the other 80% wasn't. That part gets left out. People forget that, yeah, horrible things were going on. But let's not, let's not uh, in, in some way just paper over how bad stuff was. Stuff was really bad. But even in the worst times, there are still opportunities. People have been talking over the last few years about how rough it's been because of the pandemic. And yeah, the pandemic has been rough. I went through really rough stuff with the 2008 financial crisis. I, my entire business got wiped out in one fell swoop because I was, I was catering to small nonprofit organizations that all disappeared because nobody wanted to give to nonprofits anymore. So I know exactly what that's like. But the fact is, 
we just went on after 2008, the biggest market boom in American history. You got to kind of keep that in mind. You got to kind of keep that kind of perspective in mind. So anytime you're thinking about how bad something is, how terrible a time is, how, you know, this horrible stuff that's going on, you got to remind yourself there's a lot of good stuff going on at all times. That's why somebody can come along with the idea that you described and turn a, a, a seemingly dead enterprise into a multi-million dollar business because good things can happen at all times. There's no question. And there's uh and, and certainly, you know, the majority of the people will choose to complain that rose bushes have thorns. Absolutely. And there's going to be those small yeah. fraction that will always say, I'm so thankful that thorn bushes have thorns roses. roses. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I can, and, and yeah. I can share with you categorically, Walt, uh, uh, that absolutely there were people during that time period that did commit suicide because they lost their fortune and did jump off of buildings because my father said he knew them. But, but, but the myth is on that it happened on Wall Street and it didn't happen yeah. on Wall Street. Well, and, and also I, I would call into question, you know, how many people actually kept track of every person and what happened and who died and who didn't. Uh, <laughs> well, but, well I, I'm going to, I'm going to say, here. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to say, first of all, my mentor lived it and he was telling me a story. So I'm going with what he said. Uh, I'm not saying on the day of Wall Street and the crash, these people jumped. You know, in fact, I was painting an 18 month time period and there was a lot of people that, you know, during that time period, I guarantee you there were people that commit suicide because they lost their fortune. There's yeah, no question. Sure. There's yeah, no just question. not, just, just not so, on Wall Street. But that, that's where the myth is. The myth is that it was the stockbrokers who were killing themselves. The stockbrokers were jumping off the, the buildings. Yeah. And that's the part that was not true. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we can jump Can in I, I, I just, I just have to, I have to, yeah, because I am COVID was like the biggest opportunity for everybody to take oh, a recheck God, yeah. on their life and get it together Yeah. back in the day. But you know what? Opportunities are what a visionary can see. Opportunities are something that they, they see all over, but here's the key element in everything I've heard you say, being of service, when you show up for others as you would like them to show up for you, be of service. You're, Giver University, be of service. And, and being in that space is one that is gratitude working all the way through. It's an appreciation vibration. For sure. So what I took out of this story is that you had a visionary as a mentor who was, who saw the needs of others. Yes, they knew they were going to be bent. They would benefit. Yes. However, I can promise you something because I've been doing what I do for a minute. And if I had to put my, if I put myself before I put my guests for, before I put my guests, I would not go well. You, you know, when you're actually being a service, you show up with no intention, no agenda, but to really put this together. It also worked because it was a collaboration, collaboration and everybody celebrate. There's a celebration, a, a space of compersion here that we can get into. And, and compersion is to celebrate others and their accomplishments. So I celebrate you and I celebrate your mentor for showing us that the possibilities that are limitless, period, regardless of what's happening in the exterior. It's what's happening within all of us in a connectivity that we are, you know, and, and I just think it's badassery it when, is. when people show up a freaking service, period, period, period. Yeah, I love I agree. that. I agree. And, uh, and, and the other thing I want to mention was that, you know, here my mentor was literally, he told me during that Great Depression time period, because I want to, I'm building on that for a reason. He told me for some of their meals, they actually ate cardboard. Oh, yeah. 
you know, uh, because it got rid of, you know, their stomach wasn't, would stop crawling. And, and here he was, you know, by solving everyone else's challenge, getting out of his own life and, and focusing on the needs of others, earned a million dollars, which was unheard of to do that mm. in 18 months in that time period, you know, there were people, there were people that made money, but they were fired yeah. by comparison. And, and so he shared with me these things and, and, you know, these thousand millionaires that I interviewed, I looked for the common denominators and, you know, what's interesting is that every one of them had one thing in common. They all had a story, not some of them, all of them had a story of when everything told them to stop their family, their relatives, political system, the money, their business, the product, everything told them to stop. And you know, what's funny is these people didn't even know each other. It was over two years time period and a two year time period. And they literally, some of them even used almost the same words. And they said, you know, I took the next step almost out of morbid curiosity to see if anything else could go wrong. Cause I thought I hit them all, you know, what else could, did I miss any, you know? And, and they took that next step. And then they said, when they took that next step, things start, it was almost like failure exited and said, you know, these people don't know when to give up. I'm going to go goof up someone else's life. And, uh, and they said, things started happening and coming together in spite of themselves. What was extraordinary is they all, had that story and that's why my mentor said get rid of the f-bomb he said and i said the f-bomb he said yeah failure he said supplant it with the words temporary defeat he said because failure is so eternal sounding he says it even has an eternal sound to it he said but you're going to get tackled a thousand times he said so when you say temporary defeat you're going to stand up and realize you got a first down he said, you're still in the game. He said, when you say failure, you throw yourself out of the game. He said, so reframe these events as temporary defeats and then start to build on them. And I can share with you all of these thousand millionaires had that story, not some of them, all of them. And they all had that time where they took that next step. And that brings me to two important things I'd like to share that my mentor did that I think your listeners would be fascinated with. At 19, he said, let me tell you about this thing called life. I said, okay, this should be interesting. <laughs> and uh, he said, picture in your mind this scale. And on the right side of the scale are all the things you're going to get in your life. The benefits, the income, the blessings, the investment benefits, all these things you're going to get. All the blessings you're going to all come from the right side of the scale. He said, the left side of the scale are all the things you're going to give. The, the time you're going to put in, the investment, the helping others, all that's going to be on the left side. He said, let me tell you about the scale. It's never out of balance. He said, it strives for balance. And even at a moment when it seems in static time that it might be out of balance, he says, it writes itself. It always, always, with no exception, does. He said, the next thing I say will be hard. It's going to be hard for you to do. He said, but once you get your head around it, you will be unstoppable. He said, here's the hard part. Forget about the right side. He said, and make it your goal, your daily goal every day to heave so much on the left side of that scale that your new objective every day is to get the scale out of balance because you've put so much on that left side. And he said, when you do that, you'll never have to worry about what you get on the right side. And I can share with you, that's an absolute fact. I lived it. I tested it. It works just that way. 
It's so really that's, cool. That's a cool take on we call it law of attraction, but that's it's basically the same concept used it is. as a terminology. Yeah, exactly yeah, because I'm older. Because I'm older. That's the end of the day. Look at here, look at here, gentlemen. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm, this trust that that I heard what you said. These millionaires all had the same belief within themselves that this, that they they had this knowing. There's a knowing we have when we have a purpose and we show up, and and that's why. It's this knowing, this trusting your abundance, trusting who you are, trusting the message you got. Everybody's against you. Oh, well. I love that. And don't worry about, don't worry about the right. Yeah. I, I was at an event and this gal says, uh, you know, one of the speakers, uh, you know, we were sort of like a little get together speakers beforehand. And she goes, you know, um, she says, I don't like to give away all my stuff. I'm afraid people are going to steal it. Mm. And I said, you're not going to like what I'm going to say next. I said, but I'm at the point in my life. It doesn't matter to me whether you like it or not. I'm still, I feel obligated. <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to, I'm obligated to say Thank it. You. If you're concerned that people are going to see steal your stuff, you need more stuff. It's just that simple. You just need to, you need more stuff. I said, you should be a never ending well of information and they shouldn't be able to steal it all because you could download it and they'd never catch up. I said, and she didn't talk to me after that. Anyway, so the, uh, well, okay. No, 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 no. I got to get into this one. Wait a minute. Okay. She's afraid she's going to, oh, yo, there's seven, uh, how many, who knows how many billions of people in this world. Yeah, right. And, and if somebody in this world thinks that their idea is freaking special, they got a rude awakening. It's not. For every one of us that gets the idea, so did somebody else. It's going to depend on who's got the cojones to take the action on the idea. So, you know, really, it's it, and why wouldn't we share? Why wouldn't somebody take, okay, wait a minute, you're doing this. Oh, you know what? It would be cool if I did this. We're here to help each other in this progression called life. And And so when I hear that, it's like, yeah, and she does need more stuff. You're damn right. So <laughs> she did. You need. Yeah. You never want to stop acquiring the the input that you so you can give the output through the experiences that we have, so that we can show up for other people. The only reason I have experiences is so I can show somebody else that it's possible. Exactly. And that's what the, and then that's what I'm gathering from what what you have been expressing. For sure. And, and, and these things work, you know, what I'm about to say now is not to be braggadocious. It really isn't because it was my mentor. Please do brag. I was just, I no, I was, brag. I yeah. was dumb and I was what you call intelligently ignorant. Mm. You know, they say, what's your superpower? No, your superpower. I said, I only had one. I had the ability to say, you know, I don't know about that. Could you teach me that? I'd love to That's learn. That's huge. That was it. Big. That's big. I, you know, where everyone today is all, you know, I got to have the best brand and I got to be a personal brand. I said, forget that branding stuff. I said, you know what you need to be concerned about? The brand of your customers, not your brand. I guarantee you, if you're concerned about the brand of your customers, they will do give you all the business you ever want. They don't care how you look. They want to know, you know, what's the result you're going to be able to give them. And uh-huh. uh, there's all these people in the preeminence and everyone. My mentor said, if you're the smartest man in the room, you're in the wrong room. Get out of that room. You're not going to learn anything, right? So, so, so here I was meeting this guy, and you know, at, and so you know, 23, of course, became a millionaire because of him. Then at 33, 
1989 was the first year I earned a million dollars in salary after I paid taxes. I admit not business income. This is personal salary income at 33 years old. And why? I listened to someone smarter than me who had done it. Not because it was me. I just, I just listened to him and he said, do this. Don't do that. And I said, okay. You know, I mean, it was just that easy, you know, and everyone said, you know, I'm going to, I'm smart. I know it. No, that's not the way it works. And it doesn't work. You're just kidding yourself when you think that way. So here's the next one. This little tidbit is still today so extraordinary in my mind. I worked my way up with my mentor and we were equal partners in many businesses. He had diabetes. It took a toll on his life, dating all the way back to his eating habits, you know, living on eating cardboard for meals and all that kind of stuff. And eventually it took a toll and it, and, and he left us early because of that. But when I were, I was 33 years old and he came to me one day and he said, I was working and I was looking down and he came in and he said, uh, yeah, I'd like to, I'd like to propose we compete against each other. Okay. And that gave me pause and I looked up and he had that look in his eyes. I, there was a show years ago. It was a little animated, sort of a real light show called The Monkeys about this fictitious singing group. Mm-hmm. And, uh, one, and, and one of the guys was, dog. yeah, one of the guys, <laughs> one of the guys name was Davy Jones and Davy Jones Davey. fell in love in every episode. And when he did, Everybody. his eyes twinkled. Whenever That's he fell true. in love, his eyes twinkled. And that happened every episode, right? That's I that. looked up and Sam had the Davy Jones eyes. I knew uh, right then this was going to be interesting. His eyes were twinkling. This is going to be really interesting. I knew that look, right? So I said, uh, so you want to compete? Well, what do you have in mind? He said, well, this is what I propose we do. He said, we're going to compete year by year to see who can make the other one more money. And whoever makes Ooh. the other one more money, they're the winner. The other one is the loser. And the winner gets to ask the loser for anything they want. And the loser has to buy it for them. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> let me make sure I understand this. Right? He said, I, I said, let, oh me, let me make sure I understand this, Sam. He said, I said, so what you're saying is, okay, Sam, if you, if you, we're going to compete year by year. And if you make me more money than I made you, you win, I lose. So because you win, you get to ask for anything you want. And I, the loser, I have to buy it for you. He said, yep, that's right. And I said, okay, wait, now that means the other side's true too, right? That means if I make you more money than you make me, I'm the winner. You have to buy me anything I want. He said, that's right. Whew, the first this, this year. This sounds very, very, very similar to a movie theme. You ever hear the, of the movie Brewster's Millions? I mean, it's not identical, but it sounds very, very similar in terms not of what familiar. the setup of that movie was. Not for me. Uh, and, and so he, uh, so I said, so I, I remember the sigh, even today, I remember going, okay, this is going to be really interesting, right? The first year he beat me so bad. It was brutal, brutal. And I paid cash for him for a house in Florida. I cashed the house out. I couldn't be mad. He made me more money. Than I made him and I had the money. So I couldn't be mad. There was nothing to be mad about. And I thought, man, I better get smart fast. This is going to be brutal. You know, I better figure it out. So I, so I got my act together. And the next year I did win and he bought me an aircraft, which is when I became a commercial pilot. The next year I won, he bought me a limousine and I had a full time limo driver. The next year he bought me a second aircraft. So at, and at the fourth year, we just started carrying forward and then it hit me. This guy. It finally dawned on me. It took me four years to figure out what he really had done. His diabetes was taking a toll, and we both knew it. He couldn't keep up with me. 
he couldn't schedule wise and work wise. He couldn't put in the hours. He couldn't put in the time. We both knew it and it was evident. He couldn't, right? And he knew that we were splitting everything 50-50. He wanted me to win. He wanted me to win because he had figured out since we split everything 50-50, he knows he can't keep up. And because of that, he didn't want my mind to get goofed up thinking we're splitting everything 50-50 and I'm working harder than he is. So he wanted me to, and I remember thinking, what kind of man comes up with this stuff? <laughs> you know, to play that forward in his mind, to think my mind could get screwed up because we're splitting everything 50-50 and he couldn't keep up with me because I'm 33 and, you know, his health was deteriorating. And and, and wanting me to have that after perk, wanted me to win. and I, And I thought, man, what kind of man even comes up with a thought like that? And later on, I began to call that the giver's contest intention. And it's one of the cornerstones of when we teach people how to build the right kind of community around them. So we named it the giver's contest intention. Namely, you're working more for the other person than they're working for you. Right. And, uh, and, and I get, I can tell you the, the story even today, I'll still, I'll never forget when he said that in the sigh I made. I thought, oh boy, this is going to be something else because I, I, he had the Davy Jones look and I knew it was coming, you know, and, uh, and, and you think, and, but isn't that the ideal scenario? You know, when we're working with oh, people, fabulous. if you're going to compete, it's better than competing like that. Yeah. I, I'm not even sure I can call it competition. I, I get why you call it competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, if, if you're competing and one guy loses, but a loss is a win, is that really a competition? Exactly. I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, the contest is what we call it. You know, it's a contest, yeah. really. You know, yeah. and, 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 and whatever label we put on it, the intention is what the real issue is, right? The, yeah. the, the intention of, you know, what, what we were doing in this instance. So that sort of led us down the path of, you know, what we sort of do at this point with Givers University, sifting, you know, from all these millionaires and all, and the questions I was blessed to be able to ask them off the air, which I was much more interested in actually the interviews. And, uh, and, and then of course, what my mentor taught me, you know, over the years, and then to be able to pass that on, living up to my vow, my commitment that I made when I was 19 years old. And that is Givers University. And right now we're focused on, let's see, I've done, I guess, what, 100 and about 190 interviews since last April on different podcasts. And my goal was 200 April, April, and then I'm going to back way off. I mean, so at the end of this month, basically, I'll be backing way off interviews, maybe one every couple of weeks at best. But, uh, and, and through the course of that, I've never found anyone saying, I know someone else is teaching what you're teaching when I say the next thing. And we teach something that first I, I backpedal, I not backpedal, but reference. I want to say to your listeners, we love everybody. I say it again. We love everybody. And we teach a skill that's not being taught. One word, discernment. We teach people how to separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. Mm. And by observing, it's a skill, an observation skill of discernment. By watching what they're doing. We even do this by checklists. We teach them checklists. One's called the 25 do's. It's a literal checklist of the 25 things you should watch people doing. And from this checklist, you can begin to discern by what you're watching them doing, not what they're saying, what you're watching them doing. You can begin to discern, should I bring them closer into my life? Because givers with them to bring the three W's are givers, wisdom, wealth, and wellness. Or because of what I see them doing, 
Should I begin respectfully, not rude or nasty, should I begin respectfully distancing myself? Because if I bring them closer, they're going to make me collateral damage. And I ask your listeners, think about the times you stomp out fires. Think about the times your stress level goes up. They have something in common. There's a name attached to them. And if we can learn discernment in our relationships. Now, I know for a fact, Debbie, Neo, Walt, you're all self-improvement geeks. I am. I am as well, right? But no one's teaching us, what about the other guy if he's doing it wrong? What should I do about that? Right? Should I welcome him in and let him make me collateral damage and I'm stomping out fires not of my making? When it makes more sense to learn to discern, as we say, because your talk talks and your walk talks, but your walk talks louder than your talk talks. That's true. And so we teach people to discern and observe what they're doing. And here's checklists. So you can decide, should you bring them closer in to form that ideal community? Or should you be respectfully distancing yourself? Because when we're stomping out fires, where's our productivity? When we're solving problems not of our making, where's our productivity? It's so much easier to learn how to discern. And that's the skill. It's one word. We teach discernment in relationships. We don't judge people. When we say giver, we're not labeling a person as a giver. We're identifying giver deeds. When we say taker, it's not like, you know, invasion of the body snatchers. (laughs) You know, we're not doing that. We don't identify takers. It's taker deeds we're identifying. And we're teaching people watch these things. And the response has been spectacular because they see the difference in their life. I agree with you. Discernment, preferences, vetting, are you in alignment, paying attention, stay focused, ask the right questions. I love what you're doing. It has been a pleasure to meet you. I actually have to say goodbye, everybody. See me tomorrow morning on Unify Women Rising. We will have Quantum Fitness, Jessica Alstrom, and Janice joining with Cooch Ball. It's going to be a seriously incredible, incredible day. Walt, as always, thank you for bringing the most extraordinary guest. EA, it's seriously, you rock. Thank you. Thank you, Debbie. Thanks for nice to meet you. Yeah. Peace. Glad you could make it. We'll see you next week, Debbie. Love, Love you very you. much. Okay. Yeah, Debbie's wonderful. She uh, sure I is. A, I, I got a question I got to ask you because I'm yeah, loving yeah. what you're talking about with uh, Givers University. I'm curious to know how the day-to-day works at Givers University. Like, I mean, when we think of a university, we think of, you know, classes and and you've got a a seminar room and a professor at the front and all that kind of thing. I I suspect it's probably not quite that, but what's it like? What, what, when you get involved in in the university, what happens? Well, we're an online community. We're an online university. And, uh, you know, so we have online courses. Uh, Our primary course is called Give to Be Great, um, which is uh, a series of three courses, the giver's mindset, giver's lifestyle and giver's lifelong learning. And we teach these skills. We teach discernment and we, with even, a, even checklists. So, you know, that, that's online. And then, you know, as the COVID craziness is ending, uh, you know, we will be re going into, uh, working with entire companies and training whole organizations for those companies that want to have a, a giver community within their organization because it's a skill. So we teach people the skill of step-by-step. So, you know, uh, we're self-improvement people, obviously. You know, self-growth is very important. And and we walk people through all aspects of their life, you know, starting out with how do you think? And, you know, which is a critical part of law of attraction. Law of attraction is one of the laws we teach. 
Cool. Because, you know, it's actually one of the seven laws we teach because it's so powerful. It's that same law, Walt, that, you know, and I don't need to identify it because I know you saw it. But when I threw it out there after I met June Martino and I said, where's my mentor? I threw it out there and inadvertently I tripped on asking the right question. Yeah, no kidding. And guess what? I got the answer. Yeah. You know. And, uh, and, and so, you know, I, I, I w- I'll be honest. I wish I had been smart enough to ask that dumb question when I was that age. I tripped on it. Believe me, when I tell yeah. you, I tripped on it. I just, you know, I, I, I to see, you know, here she is, this woman is so approachable. She's got a Rolls Royce in the garage. I love cleaning the garage, by the way, because I had to pull out the Rolls Royce, right? <laughs> oh, and course, then, yeah, right. <laughs> and then at night I went home and drove my Rolls Canardly, you know, rolls down uh, one hill and can hardly make it up the next. So, I mean, just to see that people live this way and she bought homes for her kids and everything. It was, and, and I was sort of amazed by that, you know, and, yeah. Uh, and, and so the, the, be, having a mentor that's done it and, and learning the right skills and, you know, and, and part of that is our thought process. It's a very important part. Um, and my mentor said, he said, you know, our lives are self-fulfilling prophecies. And he said, uh, Boy, people always want to get the answer. They're always looking for the answer. What's the answer? What's the, he says, it's backwards. He said, the answers are omnipresent. They're always there. They always will be there. They're there right now. He said, Focus on asking the right question. Don't worry about the answer. The answer is there already. He said, most people go through life asking the wrong question. Then they get the wrong answer and they surprise when they got the wrong answer, but it's what they ask, right? And uh, by contrast, there are the other people that realize, you know what? I have freedom of choice. I can think of any question I want. I can reframe that any way I want. And because of that, I'm going to ask this question and then we get the right answer because we asked the right question. So it was day by day thing, you know, I mean, uh, and I was so blessed to have him in my life for all of those years and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and to be able to guys. pass it on to so many other people. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you are passing it on to so many other people. I love what you're doing. I, I, you. I'm very curious to learn more about uh, how the university works and so forth. I think it's very cool. I for wish sure. we had a lot more time to talk about, it, but I mean, we could take a few minutes because sure. I, I just, I mean, I'm curious, you know, you, you sign up, what happens day one? What do you do? Okay. Great question. Well, the first thing we'd like to have everyone do is we want them to get those checklists because they're free, you know, mm-hmm. start working on the discernment skill. It's going to have a huge impact on your business, your family, your social works across the board. Discernment and relationships are relationships, right? You know, we got businesses opening and closing faster than ever before. Products being antiquated overnight. When we're all done, what do we have left? But our relationships. Mm-hmm. And no one's okay. teaching, how do you discern those, right? This guy said, man, he was really good. I read this book, said I should have five good people. I said, you should. One question. Which five? Which five? Yeah. Yes. No one's teaching which five, you know? So here's what happens. We, we recommend people... First of all, they should uh, go to our websites, Givers University, one word, GiversUniversity.com, plural. They're going to see a place to sign up for a newsletter. It's absolutely free. Um, when they sign up for it, we're not spammers. So they're going to get an email that says, do you want to communicate? You. We're gonna, it's going to say, do you want to communicate with Givers University? If they do not answer that, they will get nothing else from us. That's it. So they have to say, yes, I want emails from Givers University. Mm-hmm. When they say yes, two hours later, they're going to get a great free checklist called the 25 do's. This is an actual checklist of the 25 deeds to be watching. And for someone that's even starting to begin discernment in relationships, they can actually go through and make check marks on the left and the right when they observe things and at the bottom total it up. And they're already down, they're headed down the right path, which with discerning 
that person and the relationship based on their deeds and what they're witnessing. It's absolutely free. Then every Thursday, we send out a, an email. It's about a five-minute read. It's Thursday morning. It's called The Giver's Toolbox. You know, I hate that. You sign up for an email, and they're blowing up your email with six of them a day, you know, from the moment you sign up. And I unsubscribe, unsubscribe, unsubscribe. So we send out one email a week. Dude, that rolls junk folder, one or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, so it's it's called the Giver's Toolbox. And we send out a new tool that people can add to their relationship toolbox once a week, about a five-minute read. Sometimes it has a quick little video clip in it. From that also, they learn about our courses. We're nurturers. We invest. I believe in the giver scale of life that my mentor taught me. So, you know, we, we provide these checklists and all these things. They learn about the courses. They learn about the, what we have at Givers University, you know, their combination of books and also audio courses, um, you know, through the Give to Be Great series, if you will. And as the platform grows, other offerings for other from other authors and people that are parallel with you know, the message we want to get across is Givers University. So they'll learn all that just through the email, the weekly email. That's one email on Thursday morning. That's it, you know, and we, we want it to be a value and give value to people. Also, by the way, great value. Go to our YouTube channel. Again, absolutely free. It's Givers University, all one word, no spaces. Givers University. Look for the checklist. There's a, a playlist that's called How to Build Your Own Givers Community. Hmm. That's 21 two minute clips it's 21 clips uh, you know all two minutes in length so the very first an hour, basically yeah yeah and, and the first clip is two minutes on how do you determine the difference between a giver community and a taker community what's the difference then the next one we walk them all the way through how to build a giver community around yourself including the last four clips which are on the agenda what do you do once you have a group you know Napoleon Hill does a superior job of explaining what the mastermind principle and concept was. And mm. when, when he explained it in Think and Grow Rich, it was new and novel to a lot of people. So he it explains was. what it is. He does not explain how to do it. He just no, says he does. what it is. I always, that frustrated me. I have to admit, when I, in fact, we even did that book on the show. We literally, a co-host and I, we went through page by page. We both agreed that was the one thing that was missing. Like, where was that? And that's what we do. We actually had a very granular approach. Because I, I've seen, you've seen that, Walt. People get together and they say, let's form a mastermind group. And they come together with good intentions, good reasons, et cetera. And then two or three months later, it just sort of dissipates. And it starts to fall apart. It does. And I've seen it over and over again. And that was a curiosity. And I thought, why is it fall? They came together for a good reason. Yep. Why did it fall apart? And so we began to dig in. Say, okay, why is that? And we realized there wasn't a step by step by step. We even go through the word discern, D-I-S-C-E-R-N, are the seven steps to so go through. It into an acronym. Oh, cool. Yeah, to, on how to build a mm -hmm. giver community. So go to the YouTube, look for the, the top playlist is how to build your own givers Junto. We use the term Junto, which is interchangeable with community. And, uh, uh, and how to do it step by step, very granular. Here's step one. Then after that, who, how do you decide? Who are you going to have, right? Who, who do you want to have around it? Two to 12 members, assumably. Uh, next one, how do you invite them? What do you say? What's the next one? When do you convene? What, what's the next, you know, so we go through step by step all the way through, including the agenda, and we want people to start doing it. There's so many taker communities out there where they just, you know, in the last two years, I've seen them explode where they say, you know, join our community. Be with our community. We're all the same. Mind. And, 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 and six hours later, they're trying to sell you everything under the sun, right? Yeah. They're not communities. Yeah. That's a customer hit list. Call it what That's it is. True. Don't call it a community, right? I you love know, that. so, 
And uh, so we teach people, and that's really the primary thrust of what I'm doing with the interviews and right now is teaching people there is a difference between giver and taker communities. And here's how you build a giver community around you, the mastermind on steroids, if you will. This is how you do it step by step, even after it's formed. Here's the four clips on agenda. What do you do? What do you say at the meetings now that you're formed? What do you do each meeting? And why do you do those things, right? And then break it up. So we break it right down and uh, we just... I, I'm going to sign up just because I want to get that. Because this has been a question that I have asked myself for years. I've actually asked people on the on the show, you know, people who are involved in Masterminds, and, and I always got answers all over the place, but never this direct. I'm really looking forward to checking yeah. this part out. Yeah. It's very granular. So we're happy to be there. And thank you so much. And I can share with your listeners... Um, the law of attraction is more real than most people even realize. And, uh, you know, and even the people that know it, I'm still learning how powerful God, it yes. is every single day, every single day. You know, we have a God given right of the freedom of choice. And people think that they don't realize that that also includes the idle thoughts of our mind, yes. you know, that we have, you know, uh, we have literally a good estimate is that we have 1 million 250,000 small little conversations with ourselves in our own head every single year. One million. That's 35, about 35 a minute. 35. The scariest part for me is how often we repeat them over and over and over again. Yeah, yeah. And and one and also ones that are non-productive and ones that, you know, that oh, yeah. just because, you know, we've heard it and we're, we're repeating it. So mm. when we realize we have the freedom of choice to you know, if we're doing 35 things a minute, these quiet little conversations in our own head with ourselves, from ourselves to ourselves and a million, 250,000 times a year, who can tell me those conversations don't have profound impact on our lives? Right. And, the law, and it manifests in the law of attraction as we see those things manifest. But all that is the end result of what we already put into play. Yes. So thank you for your great podcast and thank you for the title of it and, and the getting that out there to the people because more people need to realize that uh, we have great blessings that we don't even take, don't even have as, as a part of our arsenal and we could have them. You're very welcome. And thank you for coming on to the show and telling us about what you've been doing with Givers University. I mean, I think you could tell. Debbie was over the moon with it. Neil was loving it, too. I love the, the title. I mean, I, I love the whole concept behind it. I'll tell you, the, the only thing that made me worried about it for a split second was the university part. Because I was thinking to myself, okay, where's the tuition? <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> but that's not what's going on here. This is this is Givers University. So yeah, go, exactly. you know. Learn how to be the giver. That's really, that's the message. And I love that message. So, yeah, really, thank you very much for coming on the show. And not thank only you, telling man. your story, because your story is a wonderful story, your personal story, what you learned along the way. Um, by the way, I'm really envious of you with, with the mentor you discovered. I mean, uh, seriously, I, that, that was like, I was oh, so blessed. Wow, what a find that was. Somewhere I did one thing right. That's what I, oh, I still even man. say today. I don't know what it was, but somewhere I did a thing right. That was beautiful. Know, and, and, uh, well, you did, well you, you did one thing right, which was you asked for it. Yeah. You're right. You're right. That's really yeah. what you did. You know, By mistake. By mistake. <laughs> Congratulations. Hey, yeah. You made yeah, a mistake. I mean, How wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't, I, I didn't even know what I was doing when I was doing it, but I just, right. I, you know, I just, I just knew what June had. I thought, man, I, that's got to be the answer is Ray Kroc. <laughs> you know, yeah. I need mine. I need mine. That's Thank you so much, Walt. What a great message and a great podcast that you have. And such a blessing to be on your show. Thank you. There, and there will be a link in the show notes to find Givers University just in case you can't remember 
GiversUniversity.com, I understand completely. That's why we put the link in there so you can find it nice and easy. <laughs> and so, yeah, you definitely look for it there. So thank you guys very much. Thank you uh, all the lot. We had some live streamers who were saying, by the way, I was guided to this. So, you know, we, 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 we were touching the right notes here. So thank you for that part, too. And thank you to our podcast listeners everywhere because I say this often. It really, I, it's almost become kind of cliche, and it almost sounds like a throwaway, but... I really wouldn't have a podcast without you guys. I started a podcast because I wanted to do a podcast. When you guys came along, it just made it better, and you continue to make it better. So thank awesome. you for continuing to be listeners. We'll see you all next time here on LOA Today. Goodbye, everybody.